Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we have a really cool interview for you. This is with BC Bubbleman, also known as Bubbleman. And this guy has been making hash for over 20 years. He is the original creator of Bubble Bags, and he was one of the first people to come up with Bubble Hash as well. A really cool guy, really cool interview that we had with him. And we discuss a lot of things about how to make good hash, how to make hash cleaner why he made bubble bags how he came up with the idea and loads of things like that it's a really cool interview it's an hour long which seems to be short for interviews nowadays we usually go over an hour but this one is just about an hour long but really cool as i said we cover loads of interesting information in this episode so i hope you enjoy it make sure you roll yourself a super fat one with hash if you have it and enjoy this interview with bc bubble man and i'll speak to you at the end of this see you in a bit Yo. Yes, we've got it. Oh, you driving, bro? That's not safe. It's not safe. (laughs) Listen, the bottom line is, I had this in my calendar at 12 p.m. and I gotta go to my my place for two, and it's an hour away. So I've got it all set up so I don't have to touch it. It's all locked and loaded, and we should be golden. But yes, you're right. It's not the most safe thing I could be doing. (laughs) At least it's hands-free. But I'm tenacious. (laughs) Exactly. It's legal. All I know is it's legal. Oh, that's okay. Well, you're perfectly fine then, Bubble Man. Yes. Exactly. Thank you guys for having me, and I'm glad. I hate to miss things like this when they're scheduled, but I will be honest. Scheduling things like two or three or four weeks in advance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I almost always find myself in this particular situation when I do that. Yeah, it, it happens. I do. It's, it, I have the exact same problem. The the further away it gets booked, the more likely it is we forget about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Especially I'm glad, I'm, glad I'm not missing it. I'm glad I'm well. We're oh, yeah, I'm glad too. Yeah, thanks for coming to join us, man. I appreciate you coming along. We'll quickly introduce Absolutely. ourselves so you, you know who you're sure. talking to here. Uh, I, I'm Mackie, I'm from the UK, the host of High and Homegrown, and we have Monkey Doos, the, the co host. You want to say hi, Monkey? Hey, Bubble Man, Monkey Do down here in the southeast US along the Gulf of Mexico. I hope you're doing well today, and I hope we don't record an accident live here. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I pictured it at one point. I was like, wouldn't that be something if I just. Oh, like, no, 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 no. The that... road while we, were... <laughs> <laughs> we don't need those ratings, please. No, oh, exactly. Well, nice to. Nice to... Oh, you're okay, breaking up a bit. Yeah. Fading in and out a little bit. Oh, just, just went around a bad corner. It shouldn't happen too much. There's one more point where it might happen uh, in about three minutes, but then I'm out of this area and I'm 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 driving towards Vancouver right now from uh, kind of Whistler area. Cool. It looks like lovely yeah, scenery beautiful. in the background. Beautiful yeah. mountains, man. I wish uh, I, I I won't be breaking the law, but I wish I could uh, change the camera so you could see the the view that I'm looking at right now. It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. I'm just driving along the coast of the Pacific Ocean. Ah, just left uh, that coast, but down a little bit further south than you, down around Oregon. Yeah, it sounds like you're substantially further south than me. Well, I just was uh, visiting a uh, family up in Oregon for the eclipse. Uh, just matter oh, of fact, nice. just got back yesterday. So been on the coast myself. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. That sounds really nice. 
nice time of year down there. The, uh, a little bit of a leaf color change here and again, but I mean, everything is blooming, all, all the fall colors and flowers, birds, everything, gorgeous. Yeah, most importantly, the mushrooms are fruiting. <laughs> yes, they mm. are. <laughs> no, I, so I was, I, go ahead. I, I was just saying nice. You know, it, it, recently, every one of the interviews that we have just seems to steer in the direction of psychedelics. You know? <laughs> well, you know what? I was actually picking mushrooms the other day. None of them were psychedelic mushrooms, but cool. uh, I certainly will pick the psychedelic ones once that uh, once they start popping. And that's really going to be any day now. But uh, I was picking winter chanterelles, which are also mm. known as yellow foots. I was picking Admiral Bolets. I was picking uh, some uh, jelly antlers and some coral mushrooms. Cool. And what else did we have in there? Oh, we had a couple of hedgehogs. We had a couple of uh, actual chanterelles. And I feel like I'm forgetting like, oh, we a couple of turkey tails. Nice. Wow. So yeah. That's a nice collection. Huh? Oh, it was beautiful. I uh, was really happy with it. It's been raining a good amount this year. The last couple of years, we've had these strange seasons where we don't get our rain in September, October. So we really the mycelium wasn't flush and it wasn't able to fruit. So the last couple of years we saw very little mushroom production. So we're happy this year mm. to see it kind of back in, uh, in full force, if you will. It's, uh, yes. and this is just the beginning. We'll still be picking cauliflowers. We'll be picking reishi. We'll be picking, um, uh, lobster mushrooms, uh, oyster mushrooms. Like mm -hmm. there's so many wonderful edibles not to ignore the psychedelic ones, of course, we're going to be picking some cyanessins and some stunzies and some baocystins and hopefully some semolenciatas, i.e. the liberty caps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. That, that's a, a whole range of mushrooms, man. I, I don't oh, know how to identify them very well, so I don't go picking. And well, I hate I the taste of mushrooms you, too. But <laughs> you should check out Paul Stamets' really great book. It's called Psilocybin Mushroom. We broke up a bit there again. You just, uh, I think you're at that three Sorry. minute point you mentioned. I'm back. <laughs> there we yes. go. See, and no, no pressure. You were just saying about Paul Stamets' me. book. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, you should be okay now. Psilocybin mushrooms around the world. Yeah, I think so. Cool. There shouldn't be cool. uh, any more. I've gotten out of the zone where it always happens. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And we, if you, if you're yeah, too busy as well, we could always reschedule this for another time. I don't want you under any pressure uh, to drive and be on the phone. Well, I don't, I, no pressure at all. This is sort of autopilot. I'm heading to my lab right now in Park Health Inc., the, the solventless lab that I set up over the course of the last three to four years. So cool. We've got some exciting things going on down there today, but uh, I should be able to talk with you all the way there. Cool, man. As long as you're happy, we're happy. Nice. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm happy. I wanted to uh, definitely get on with you guys and uh, really hear a little bit about what you guys are doing over there. Uh, well, we're just uh, doing a cannabis podcast, really. We don't. <laughs> we're not as interested as you are. You, you've got because uh, you are the bubble hash man, right? You make a lot of bubble hash. You're the expert on that. Well, I mean, I coined the term bubble hash, so I guess I could be called the expert on oh, that. Oh, cool, Absolutely. cool. 1999 was the year that I created the bubble bags and coined the term bubble hash. Damn, uh, you, you created bubble bags? Yeah, wow. yeah, bubble bags. Man, that's, that's cool, my, man. That's my company. 
Yeah, wow. yeah. It's been it's been a blessing. I've turned a lot of great people on to making hash. I changed the game when it comes to throwing away trim, which people used to do in the '90s. They really stopped doing that once bubble bags kind of came onto the market. It's uh, it's good sharing this information with people, and people have been very receptive. I would guess that there's you know maybe four or five metric tons of bubble hash being made every day worldwide with my bags. Yeah, because nice. of you, because of you, you know, <laughs> that's awesome, man. So yeah, let's start well. right at the beginning then. What, what was it that encouraged you to create bubble bags and, and head in that direction with hash? How did you get to that? Oh, point? It, it, it was the police, actually. The police encouraged me by arresting me at a roadblock with six kgs of flour and uh, $6,000 uh, in cash. Uh, it was actually all for the BC Compassion Club. I had been sort of driving around trying to find them some special product. My my friend Hillary Black started the BC Compassion Club back in 97. And uh, so I was just looking for some beautiful pot for some very vulnerable, sick and dying people. Back mm -hmm. then in the 90s, the only people she really sold to were, uh, you know, mentally ill, terminally ill, um, homeless and addicted to drugs. So they kind of had the full house of, of bad vibes going. She figured those were the people she was gonna offer her help to. I loved what she was doing and I wanted to you know, practice philanthropy as much as I could because I was really just brokering weed and making a ton of money selling weed. So she allowed me to have this one good thing that I was doing that was, that was really good, that was pro pro proper. And so when I got busted, of course, all the patients at the club were like, well, we're gonna you know back him up and they really did and the club stood behind me and in the end i got no fine no time and the judge even ordered my money be given back uh the craziest thing to happen was that the attorney in the and said hey listen you know one of our sorry sorry bubble you i'm breaking up yeah well you broke up for it you said uh the crazy thing that happened or something along those lines and then it just went Crackly, so we didn't get to know what it yeah, was. What's so, the patient yeah, well, to your side? That, yeah, isn't that wild that when you say things like that, that's the timing where it would crackle up? That's it. I, I thought I don't crackle yeah. now. We're never exactly. gonna know. Yeah, I have to bring I, it back up. Shit. Yeah. So the crazy thing that happened was my prosecuting attorney, the guy prosecuting me for trafficking in cannabis, mm. approached my lawyer in the hallway and told him that their mutual friend that they had been working with for twenty five years was in the hospital with cancer and he was he was asking my lawyer if maybe he could get a bag of the medicine from me to this guy so he could maybe suffer a little bit less so wow. you have a you have a prosecuting attorney trafficking in cannabis in the hallway of the court wow. while he's charging me with trafficking in cannabis wow bro the the hypocrisy is rife Right there. Yeah, what, mean, what talk the about the yeah, I got that bag. Of, I got that bag of weed. I got it to him. <laughs> let me tell you, I got that bag of weed to the guy in the hospital because I just thought, well, first of all, the guy needs the medicine. That's mm -hmm. that's first and foremost. Second of all, I had to close the link on the prosecuting attorney actually trafficking in cannabis. So mm. he, uh, I told him afterwards. I said, hey, uh, you know, are you going to charge yourself with trafficking in cannabis, or are we going to move this forward and let medical cannabis happen in Canada? Nice. Put him on the spot, didn't you? Yeah, his mm -hmm. career, or uh, let's move forward. Yeah, exactly. So we've moved forward. You know, even my judge developed prostate cancer during my case. 
And so he was listening quite attentively to the to the stories of the patients and the the medical explanation of of, of cannabis. Because obviously, you know, at that point in 1998, 99, when this was happening, we we were at the cutting edge of this information in regards to cannabis as a medicine. So that is what inspired me to find the concept and the idea to create the bubble bag company, to create this product that I could sell legally to people in the cannabis industry. So I would get their cannabis made money, but when I put it in my bank, it would not be considered proceeds of crime. It would actually be just considered a paycheck. Nice. That's perfect. That's the way you have to work it. Yeah. Yeah. Growing growing the medicine is is not near as profitable as uh, furnishing things to the growers. I've always said that. That's fantastic. Shovels and picks. That's First right. Millionaires That's, of the gold era. That, mm-hmm. that is my go-to statement right there. Yes. I was just uh, wondering, where did you learn your techniques for making hash? And how did you come up with the idea for it? You'd seen it before somewhere. Yeah, I had been making hash for some years uh, as a strong, hardcore sort of puffer. I found uh, that cannabis just had a bit of a, a ceiling in regards to how high it could get me. So I was always searching out the oils and the hashes. And I had been making some screened hash myself for some years prior. But water extraction, I had seen for the first time, it was probably around 98. It was the year that Mila uh, released her bags, the isolator Mm -hmm. bags. It was a two-bag kit out of Amsterdam. Now, um, I saw those bags. I thought, well, this is interesting. I, I made some hash from them a couple of times. Really not very inspiring at all. Two bags, first of all, isn't enough to really mm-hmm. see the magic. Uh, I didn't see the magic. I kind of let it go. Six months later, my, my good friend, Breeder Steve, called me up and was like, hey, uh, I got some beautiful material. You still got those bags? And I said, oh, yeah, I got, I got a pair of them. We, we can run some material. So he brought me his shishka berry. Mm-hmm. And we cool. ran it, and it it was the first time I saw something that was magical. This hash melted into a liquid. It was extremely strong. It was like it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And so, of course, I thought after getting busted, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go approach Mila in Amsterdam. I'm gonna see if she lets can let me. Maybe I mean, my vision was I was gonna sell these bags in Canada. You know, that was it. I was like, I went to Amsterdam. And I said, look, I'll buy a thousand kits. I'll sell them in Canada. I'll rock and roll. It wasn't the best day for me to arrive at her store. She was kind of intense. She was having a bad day. I had been friends with her for a couple of years prior because I'd been going to Amsterdam since 95. And of course, I met her and I would leave nice hash with her when I flew out of Amsterdam if I hadn't finished it. So I knew who she was. She knew who I was. Mm -hmm. But on that particular day, I somehow got under her skin. I think when I said I would buy a thousand sets of bags she thought I was full of shit because she had been selling these bags for like three months. She probably only sold 50 sets and I, I, I might've come across as a blowhard, right? She actually called me. She, she, she kicked me out that day and called me a silly American. And I, remember <laughs> I, said, I remember I said, come on, Mila, I'm a silly Canadian. And so That's what I was wondering. Oh. Yeah. Oof. So, yeah, so I was like, she kind of tried to like, you know, like the Dutch sometimes, I get it, they get, they get a little choked with us North American people, and Americans in particular have a very loud sort of, you know, bright personality, and for whatever reason, I was getting under her, her skin that day, and so she kicked me out, and I left, kind of really bummed out, I'll be honest, I was super bummed out. I went home, and my wife, who's the quietest person you'll ever meet, like, she's she very rarely does she stand up and say something that's like, 
you know, going to direct our lives in a, in a totally different direction. But she said to me, well, why can't we just make our own bags? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to make bags. And she's like, well, just go buy the material and I'll sew them together. We didn't even have a sewing machine. I went and bought this $2,000 Bernina sewing machine. I went and bought some screen. I went and bought some, some Nitex. I, I went and bought a digital camera and a computer for promoting online and fresh eddies and bubble bags was born. Wow. Damn. Just like that. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Hey, I'm in the guitardo now. Can you tell? Can you tell? I'm in the guitardo. Yeah, it, it it went a little faded there for a bit. <laughs> What's the guitardo? Yeah, this is like the, uh, well, the guitardo is the 16-kilometer tunnel in Switzerland, but this is just our version of it in British Columbia. It's oh, not cool. That How long, long is that? It's very short. It's probably like about a kilometer. I'm out of it now. Oh, right. My son holds his breath when we go in there. Yeah, we get out. Yeah. That's what you have to do. That's the rule. Not not as the driver, that's, as the passenger. That's what he told me. That's what he told me. He's like, Dad, we got to hold our breath. I'm like, uh, I'll let you do it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so where did it go from there? What was the plan after that? Yeah, did you make a lot? Did you have any initial customers for the bags in the first place? Well, I had no, I had no customers. I ended up creating the name Bubble Man. I created the name Bubble Bags. I created the name Bubble Hash. And then I, using this small digital camera, I started photographing the process and the the bags and the and the product that I was making. And I started posting on Cannabis World and Cannabis.com and Overgrow.com and cannabisculture.com, all of the cannabis sites that were popping in 98, 99. I went and started posting these threads and quickly became a fairly well-known kind of guy on those boards. And over the years, I unwittingly became a voice of authority on the process. I started with a three-bag kit and I eventually added a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, and an eighth. Not because I was trying to sell more bags, but because I was doing research and development, finding where the right heads fell, finding mm-hmm. where the ones that were special that we wanted to make sure we didn't lose. And that's really how it all played out. The digital camera was key because I was needing to take pictures that I could upload immediately. I'll never forget that CyberShot Sony 2.1 megapixel camera cost me <laughs> 2000 Canadian dollars. Oh, yeah. And, and I'll never forget it because within two months of posting on that board, this bald-headed maniac character named Gypsy Nirvana starts post uh, starts writing to me. Uh, and he's also on the boards. And he's like, hey, well, I'm going to come to Canada. And I don't know if you guys know who Gypsy is. He owned the big seed, Seeds Direct there. He had a huge seed company. And he kind of was also a character that was becoming this larger-than-life character through posting on Overgrow. Uh, so I linked up with him. We both had the cyber shots. We both simultaneously were building our brands while helping each other out. And just uh, it grew from there. I traveled all over the world. I made hash with people in all sorts of different countries. I really, you know, in a sense, it was, I, and uh, we'll get into the story because a lot of people will be like, oh, wow, I didn't know Bubble Man ripped off Mila. Well, I didn't actually rip off Mila. And there's a bigger story behind <laughs> There's a bigger story behind that because Mila actually ripped off this guy by the name of Reinhard Delp, who owned a patent for water extraction. And he brought a machine to her in 97 and he showed it to her. And, you know, she signed a contract with him saying, I want to sell these. And she was going to become, you know, this ice hash queen. Well, 
the day she showed it to two friends of mine, Eldon, an old hash smuggler from the U.S. who's passed away now, and my current manufacturer by the name of Mark Rose. Mark Rose and Eldon watched this machine. It's like a five-gallon stainless steel sort of conical, almost a brewery bucket where you wash all the material. It goes into the uh, bottom of this thing, and then you open up the valve to release the the different levels of heads and in the glass you could see the different colors so they weren't separated out by micron diameter they were separated out by the maturity level in which they were grown and and extracted off of so the mm. most uh the most mature heads would fall off first they could be any micron i changed the game you know but we'll get to that Eldon looked at this machine while sitting on Mila's couch and he said, look, two nylon bags with screen bottoms in a five gallon bucket and you got the same thing. Mark Rose, who was sitting next to him, said, yeah, we're isolating. We're isolating. It's the isolator. He named it. He manufactured it. Eldon invented it. Mila merely sold it. But let me tell you, for 10 years, I defended myself in, in the fact that I did not rip her off. I ended up in a lawsuit with Reinhard Delp. And I actually paid him six figures because I paid some very, you know, expensive uh, researchers to go and find the true story. And when I found out that story that all the bags were invented based on his machine, I realized who the person was that got ripped off. And I paid out six figures mm -hmm. in that lawsuit Damn. happily. Reinhardt has since passed away. Rest in peace to him. But it made me feel good to know that I was one of very few companies. Lucy from Extractor, she was a woman that learned from me about the bags and copied bubble bags to create her mm -hmm. own product. And then there was a guy by the name of Jason who created the payload bags. Uh, and he had like a nine bag system. We all joined forces, did our lawsuit together so we could, you know, kind of gather our funds. But in the end, I sort of suggested to each of them, look, you know what, from what I've learned, this guy's not in the wrong. We are. Let's pay him the money he deserves and move on. So I have a, you know, lifetime, patent award you know I, a lease of his patent i paid for all mm. the past and all the future with that six-figure deal uh, and it makes me feel good about that knowing that i did that i also used to make sure that uh, eldon got into all my parties for free back in the day legends of hash and then i hired <laughs> mark rose and we became partners he's been my manufacturer for the last 20 years so mm. i try to do things right and not fuck people over and not uh, take advantage but uh, that's kind of the messy history of bubble bags and where we're at today is that uh, you know now i'm a part of whistler technologies i uh, we produce commercial industrial uh, stainless steel equipment for eu gmp as well as you know regular gmp uh, gpp labs around the world and we've come Commercialize the process so that you can make a lot at a time, kilos and kilos. Some of the units are multiple thousand liters just in the reactors. So we have we have one system that we sold that was two two thousand liter systems. So four thousand liters of um, water hash extraction capability. Yeah, it's it's starting to get there now. So it all started with this very small little bags and and a cake mixer and. It's grown into these multi-million dollar stainless steel systems with, you know, months of consulting and 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 sort of planning to, to get these um, these systems into the labs, the SOPs written and the flows created so that you can, you know, do this effectively and efficiently mm -hmm. on a larger scale.
Yeah. Is it on a larger scale? Is it as good as it would be on a small handmade craft scale? Yes. You know, there is a thing with humans. Generally, we feel that if you're going to do something on a smaller level, it's very hard to do it on a larger level and make it like not, you know, attack or affect the integrity of the final product. But with water Uh extraction, you can actually, well, just for instance, we've just made a bunch of full melt bubble here in Canada uh, under the banner Earthwool Farms. My partners who have a beautiful organic farm up in Lillooet, BC, north of Whistler. And we've just processed 3,000 kgs of fresh frozen for them, made kilos and kilos and kilos of beautiful five-star plus, like this hash melts into liquid, it greases, it's 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 gold if you leave it in the freezer. If you take it out, it'll go brown very quickly because it's just it's just melting at room temperature. So yes, you can absolutely, if you do it right, mm-hmm. scaling shouldn't affect the integrity of your purity. So when I say purity, that's what creates uh, uh, quality in bubble hash. The, the quality is unveiled, meaning the grower and the genetics put the quality in. All mm. we do is we unveil it. So we remove everything else. And if the quality is there, we unveil that quality. We do it through purity. What we don't do is we don't create quality quality is created in the grow room with the genetics and the grower we are merely the processor we just unveil the flame if it's there i've heard that mm-hmm. said before that you can't make good hash out of bad weed i mean that's, that's just as simple as it gets isn't it yeah and frenchy would always go on about it's all about the farmer didn't he it's always about the farmer and the genetics think of think of this mm-hmm. the farmer and the genetics have three months of variables to follow we have an afternoon. I can process a whole batch in an afternoon. It takes me six to eight hours. This guy grew for three to four months. Mm-hmm. So lots of play for the grower. Any less mortable for the uh, hash maker. With with the because you say it goes up to eight levels now with your bubble bags. Uh, yes. And, you know it went up to a five at one point, and that's what I think I've got a, a set of five. I think that's what I have. Uh, okay. what's the what's the score with the different levels of microns? And I know that uh, they let through different uh, amounts of trichome heads and things like that. But which are the best ones for you to use to get a good average hash? And what about the highest well, ones? What's the difference between the 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 biggest one and the smallest micron? What what kind of hash do you get out of those two? Well, it's it's definitely subjective and it moves around generally to generalize with all the hash that I've made here in North America from like, say, indoor grown material. Mm-hmm. Generally, you'll find that in the 120 micron all the way down to the 73 micron, you find kind of the best hashes. That being said, mm-hmm. when you're growing in a place like Australia outdoors and the sun is extremely hot, it tends to shrink those heads down and you get even better heads in the 25 and the 45 microns. So, right. you know, for me, I just like to collect all the hash. Then I grade it at the end and I have skews that all the different grades go into. So there's hash that's in the 40% range, the 50% range, the 60s, the 70, that's THCA. Um, The hash we just made was 75% THCA and almost 10% terpenes. So that's extremely high for water extracted hash. There's no chemical Mm -hmm. process. We're not distilling. We're not winterizing. We're not doing all of these, you know, chemical solvent extractions, but to get a 75% with 10% terpenes, I mean, keep in mind, then there's also some other cannabinoids 
we ended up getting between, I think it was 92% cannabinoid and terpene content, which is really, really high. I mean, there's mm-hmm. distillate out there in the world. There's distillate in the world, which is a chemical extraction mm-hmm. that is less than 90% cannabinoids wow. and terpenes. So the fact that we could get it up that high using just mm-hmm. water and ice is a real testament to the process and how how sort of magical it is. You have to understand when I released this process in the 1990s, in the late 90s, and when I say I released it, I am unequivocally the person who popularized it. I did not invent it in any way, shape, or form. But my personality and my timing and the digital cameras and the online presence, the building of this character, Bubble Man, really popularized water extraction around the world. And it's been a godsend for a lot of people, uh, me mm-hmm. included. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's a cool story, yeah. man. I like it. I, li- I like to see people climb their way up the ladder like that, you know, and just create a quality business. That's that's super cool. But sorry, Monkey, you yeah, were saying with something. almost nothing. No, I had a question about um, he, the water extraction. I mean, I've heard extractors. I, I'm, I'm very much of an amateur hash extractor myself. I've done it a few times, not too much. I, I'm getting better at it as I practice and as I will. But lately, I've been yep. hearing people talk about the quality of the water that goes in. And I'm kind of curious. You've got this 4,000 liters you're processing. Is this purified water? Is this tap water? What, what are you using? Yeah, I like to use uh, RO. All the places that I sort of consult for will end up putting an RO system in. So you're just cleaning the water the best that you can. And there's no Mm -hmm. heavy metals or any type of contaminants that are going to find their way into the hash, chlorine or or whatever it is. So the water is ideally extremely clean. I also run that RO water to my ice machines, uh, which, of course, cares for the ice machine. It gives the ice machine a longer life. Mm-hmm. Uh, cycle, but it also makes that my watered by ice is the same as my water, as in six stages of RO with the UV light. It's clean as a whistle, nice. and you can see it clean. in the way the ice freezes. Yeah, it's super clean, tasteless, beautiful, like just wonderful, wonderful water. So we also do microbial testing on the ice machines and the, the you know monitoring of the RO. Uh, because if you don't monitor these things, they can get dirty. And if they get dirty, now you're contaminating every batch of hash that you make. So we have pretty stringent SOPs in the labs where we make sure that we're, you know, not contaminating our final product with anything that uh, that doesn't belong. Nice. Yeah, I pretty much expected you to say RO water. That's what's been encouraged to me. If I'm going to be serious about it, that's where I need to be at least. But, uh, you know, I guess maybe I need to perfect the extraction first before I go into the expense of the RO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, in the end, you want to find, you want to be able to have, the pH is also somewhat important. You don't want too high of a pH because, you know, as the alkalinity climbs, it's, uh, it emulsifies the resin and almost extracts it in a different way. Right now we use water as a carrier. It's not used as a solvent. Mm-hmm. So we're just using it as a carrier to freeze the trichome heads, make them brittle. And then the mixing process breaks those heads off at the neck and they sink in the water because they're still affected by gravity due to their density. And that's why the whole process really works. Everything floats while it sinks. Right, that's cool. That's good to know. Yeah, so yeah, it's, let's it's uh, let's go through the process of how you go, well, not necessarily how you make it in those big uh, those swimming pool size pools that you have for making hash. 
But, you know, just a normal grower in a five-gallon bucket with uh, a set of bubble bags, what would be yeah, exactly. the recommended you, advice you for just, that? Oh, really simple. I mean, I have great videos online, so I, cool. I'll give your you know, the cliff notes to your listeners, but you'll want to check out bubble man's world on YouTube to check out my YouTube videos because I have in-depth like 90 minute hash making videos on there. And basically what happens is, is, um, you put all your bags in inside one another. The smallest bag is going to go in first. Uh, so you've got like, um, the 25 micron, if you will, goes in first. And then you have mm-hmm. your um, 45, 73, 120, or sorry, 90, 25, and then um, 120, 160, and 190, and then 220. So those are all the different screen bags. And they all have to be in order. If you put the 25 in first, well, none of the heads are going to be able to fall through. So the, the, the first thing's first. The, small, the smallest bag goes in first, not last. The last mm-hmm. bag is the big hole where everything's going to be able to sink and fall through. And we just fill it up with water and ice, a good amount of ice. Uh, and then we mix it up. And I used to just mix with a cake mixer at home, a little two-prong cakes mixer. Made some of the best hash of my life with that, with that process. <laughs> Uh, you will definitely have the ability to make the highest purity hash using the, 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 the products that I'm talking about. Now, really, all of that is like a recipe. You do your mixing, you let it settle, you pull your bags. You're going to see this sandy material in the bottom of each bag. I scoop that out with a spoon. I put it on a small pressing screen. I dab out the water from the patty, and then each patty I'll take and I'll sieve. So if it's if the quality is really high, I have to leave water. And the sieving becomes the first tricky part. I mean, honestly, drying the hash is the only part that involves any skill whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a very simple recipe you can follow. I could teach a monkey how to do it. Mm-hmm. This part is more intuitive. And you need to recognize what is the quality of this resin. So when people have great quality resin, but they don't recognize it, they'll dab out all the water from the from their little pressing screen from their patty and now it turns to bubble gum self presses and you're never going to get it apart through a sieve ever in a million years i've also seen people leave not quite enough water so it doesn't turn to bubble gum but when they get it into the sieve it turns to bubble gum now you want the sieve to be cold you want the room to be cold uh and you want water to be present in the hash if it's super high quality if it's not it's just going to be like sand that's not sticky anyway and you'll be able to sieve it very easily even if you dab all the water out of it now there's another process that is available to people who have fucked up the process they've self-pressed a patty of high quality material it won't go through a sieve what do i do how do i get the water out with those people i tell them to freeze the patty in the freezer pull it out and microplane it almost like a cheese grater where you're just grating it over like a, a zester. You're shredding all the heads, you're exposing everything and the drying factor will happen fairly quickly. I prefer to sieve the heads so they stay intact and they're not breached and they're not shredded, but it takes skill to do that. And most people that do this for the first time don't have that skill. So they end up down the sieving uh, rabbit hole and end up having to microplane. Uh, But that's only with great quality and people have that problem. Most people are not growing exceptional quality cannabis. It's just the way it is, you know, and that's why most people get some hash that sizzles and they, they're like, Oh, I got full melt. It's like, no, full melt is like an ice cube melting into water. 
That's mm-hmm. what my full melt hash does. It melts into like a water-like substance. It would drip through a screen. It disappears. It leaves almost nothing in behind. And that's what full melt is. And that's a term I coined back in around 2000, 2001 uh, with my mentor, Skunkman Sam, at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam when we were geeking out, smoking his hash. And he's like, oh, yeah, I love when it melts like this. I'm like, yeah, I call that full melt. And he's like, yeah. And when it's really good, it'll make these clear domes. And then we coined another term called full melt clear dome. That's less of a thing now because everyone's dabbing in bangers. We were dabbing off of stainless steel screens that we had custom made, very tight screens. And so you would see these domes pop up on these screens. You don't see these domes when you, they go into a banger. It's it's a little bit different. So that terminology didn't quite catch on the same as full melt caught on. Mm-hmm. Or the term bubble hash. So well, why did you call it bubble hash? Is it because it bubbles when you're burning it? Well, the first time I saw it, yes, it bubbled when you burned it. When I mixed it, it was frothing and there was tons of bubbles on the top of the bucket. I knew that Mila had a name called isolator hash. I knew that I couldn't call it hash because it wasn't hash. I mean, hash, you know, fuck, hash is like cack from, from, from Morocco that's full of plastic and poisons that they just try to unload on the UK populace. I I couldn't call it that. That's you the know, soap bar you're talking about there. Yeah. Fucking rights. It's the soap bar. CAC, right? K-A-K. <laughs> the, the bunk. It's like fucking sounds like something stuck in your throat. It's like. Yeah. <clears throat> I've still got some you know, stuck in my throat. It's been. Fucking... <laughs> Dude, listen, we had some of that shit tested and it didn't even have any THC in it at all. Oh, Whoa. damn. You were getting high. Yeah. On How's that for disconcerting? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All sorts of binders and. Crazy fucking things, dude. I don't know if you guys knew Nick from Red Eye Magazine, one of the greatest cannabis magazines to ever exist. It was based out of London, uh, England. And Nick was just a fucking savage maniac. He was such an amazing guy. He's passed away since. But, uh, you know, I met him at the Cannabis Cup at Robert Clark's house uh, in Amsterdam, uh, author of Hashish and, and Marijuana Botany, Rob Clark. And I was over there visiting and Nick came in and, you know, he, he was like, oh, I thought you were like Rob's young nephew or something. And he, he was like, oh, I'm judging the cannabis cup. And he put all of his hashes down on the table. And I I looked at them for about half a second and I said, there's your winner right there. I didn't even try it. Well, I guess I was right. And three or four days later, that was announced as the winner. And that caught Nick's attention. So he ended up getting back to me. And I wrote for Red Eye Magazine for some years. But he, would, he did a, a, an article in Red Eye Magazine where he went down as a sniffer. And a sniffer is what a coffee shop will send down to Morocco to find hash uh, to purchase for their coffee shops, right? They're looking for stock. And so they send a sniffer down. And Nick went down as an in undercover sniffer. He wasn't actually going to be buying any of the hash, but he was writing this expose on the CAC and the soap bar. And oh, my God, like after he wrote it, he wasn't even allowed to go down there. He was like they had, you know, they, they would have probably <laughs> killed him if he went back down there. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he ended up getting a picture with a with a with a small little pocket camera. It was the only thing he was able to get in there. But he took a picture of like fourteen pallets full of fucking soap bar hash, destined for the UK. And Ugh. you know, the, while the while the guy's laughing that yeah, this is like this is you know one percent THCA or whatever, and those guys Damn. in the UK are going to smoke it all. Yeah, it made my soul hurt. But Nick was a good soul in the sense that he was trying to expose that mm-hmm. and make sure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people understood that that's that's not a system that you that you should support did you ever try soap bar did you back in the of day of course 
Yeah, okay. of course. Fuck, it was terrible. Turned yeah. green, made me sick to my stomach. So bad, so bad. I smoked so I much of that back it. in the day. Of and, course. and then because you, you couldn't get uh green as we called it back then you couldn't get uh like real cannabis you couldn't get flour you just got this no this terrible imitation and <laughs> whatever the fuck that Dude, was. Uh, oh, e- e- even years ago in lugano in the south of switzerland there i was with gypsy nirvana and breeder steve and wow if uh i met a scottish grower a really big scottish grower this guy had like I mean, it was big for the time. It was early 2000s and he had like 20 or 30 lights, which was like, wow, like, fuck, they would just put you in prison forever. And he told us, yeah. and we were like, how do you sell your, how do you sell your buds or whatever? He's like, well, I just grind the whole plants into ground flour and then I sell it in bags of ground flour. And I was like, oh my God. The whole plant. Wow. Ooh, the whole plant. Yeah. Stocks and oh, all, God. dude, just like ground into, but, but people were loving it because the comp- the competition was soap bar mm-hmm. and he was growing like nice 20 to 25% THCA. He just didn't want to deal. You know, it was easy for him to just grind it all up. And the people were stoked because they were just rolling it into joints or packing it into a pipe. So it was already broken up for them. And the potency was, you know, 20 plus times stronger than what they were used to. So it was, uh, he certainly wasn't a bad guy, but oh my god, I, I I cried a little in my soul when he told me that. Yeah, bad times, too, man. man. You know, it's yeah. rude to even call it hash. You know, it's 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 nowhere near hash, is it? Soap bar. Agreed, but that's yeah. that's that soap bar hash is one of the very many reasons why I coined my hash bubble hash. I mm-hmm. wanted to set a different bar, and when people think of bubble hash. They do not think of soap bar hash. They think oh, no. of the mm-hmm. opposite end of the spectrum. They think, oh wow, yeah, that's the good stuff. So that's yeah. that's what you know, that's what I did. Nice. Do you do anything with dry sifting? Because this is this is catching attention with people nowadays. Maybe because of the different quality of water around people are doing yeah, some dry I've been sifting. Teaching, I've been teaching people dry sift for over 20, 20 years, and I was the one that released the static tech. So the the method that you swirl your hand around on the resin on a tight 70 micron screen and you create a static charge which collects the heads to your hand um everything else gets pushed and broken through the screen i uh yeah i've, I've been doing that for oh gosh i've been static test sifting for probably 10 plus years when my mentor showed it to me and a couple of people kind of figured it out as we shared things over the years, but I released the technique on my YouTube channel maybe last year or the year before, and now everyone knows about it. So if you ever do have material that you want to sift, uh, make sure you Google static sifting and you go on my YouTube channel and check that out because it's uh, it's how you get the heads to a 99.9% purity, just like bubble, and then it'll it'll melt and liquefy like uh, like good bubble. Damn. So you could essentially yeah. like use a balloon, get the static charge of a balloon, and that would pick it no, up. No, you'd want to you'd want to have uh, your hand because uh, it's hard, and there's lots of ridges for the for the for the material to get uh, trapped in. But you also want the force of using your hand over the screen in this circular motion because the force is going to break the non-glandular material, this capitate stalks, the cystolith hairs. These are cellulose materials and they break Mm. in a cold environment in particular with the force of grinding them over the screen. So you're, you're pushing them through. And when you scoop that hash up, it's like talcum powder. It burns like paper. It doesn't get you high. And then on the top where you'll have it all stuck to your hand, you just use a brush to brush it off. That'll be like 90 plus percent heads. Damn. 
Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's like it's absolutely bonkers. Trust yeah, I've me. never tried it before. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a shot. That's uh, and I've never done the dry sifting thing. I've always made bubble hash. I've made dry ice hash as well, which is cool to do. Yeah, dry ice is a bit of a it'll create a lot of contaminant. If you do make sift, doing it in a cold room is great, but doing it over a 160 screen and and being somewhat gentle and not using dry ice is it's going to get you quicker to that 99.9% heads. To give you an idea, dry ice hash under a microscope is usually 90% contaminant and 10% heads. Mm. So right. if you're creating a lot of work to clean that up. I mean, people are yeah. stoked because they don't know it's 90% contaminant. They just see it as a gold material and they're like, look how much I got. But then I come along and I, I clean it and I'm like, well, this is actually what you got. This was deceiving you. And it's right. like nine out of 10, it's nine out of 10 grams, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's how you get the dry sift from 30% up to 75% THCA. In, but you, that, so you get like a hash fat is, you wouldn't just do that with flour. You'd do that with hash as well. You can grind up the hash and rub that over the screen. Yeah, I'm not grinding the 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 weed on the screen. We've already right. collected the hash from doing that. The hash okay. is now sitting on a tighter screen and right. I'm, rubbing i'm rubbing the dry sift hash you can you can google it i i would implore mm -hmm. you to google static hash so you have a bit of an idea but uh yeah you're just cleaning the hash using your hand and you can wear a nitrile glove if you don't uh, and then of course if you have too warm of a hand the process won't work so certain people right. who run hot they won't be able to do the process it'll just uh become a mess and the only the other thing is is only the highest quality heads are really going to create that static charge so the process only works for really great material. If it's pseudo kind of bunky crap, the process isn't really going to work that well. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice, man. Oh, it's maybe nice, thirsty man. for hash now. God damn. Do you, yeah, do you I feel like partake? I should hit a bull. I think I'm going to partake right now, actually. I'm just at my lab. Nice. And yeah, I think I got my little Puffco. Shout out to Puffco for the 3D Sweet. XL bowl here. Very nice. stoked on that. I've got some of my own hash that we made at this very facility that I purchased legally at a store. Cool. Well, it's pretty dark. You can't. You won't be able to really see it right now because it's the, no. the the container is dark and the hash is actually turning dark. But uh, I could show you another hash that I have that's much lighter colored. Anyway, that mm -hmm. you can kind of kind of see. There's a little I bit. I see of... it. Yep. All right. We can't see it. A little bit. Like you couldn't see because uh, you're. Can you put it back up? So, sorry, oh, man, man, you didn't man. see it. <laughs> no, it's because I want to pin it so that uh, it goes on the video for people to see. There we go. Oh, look at that. That's hash? Yeah. That, well, this is yeah. some live hash rosin. Right. So this is the this is the hash that's been taken and pressed into a, a heat and pressurized uh, plates. And then the oil squishes out uh, from that mm -hmm. process. Yeah, that's what we were we were uh, dabbing in Barcelona, Mackie. Life has. Oh, Rosal. when when were you guys in Barcelona in March? Uh, yes, Spanish. Yes, yes. So I I was there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, judging the Masters of Rosin competition. Actually. Oh, oh damn! Nice. How was it? it? Must have been nice. It was great. Nice, good shit. Sixties, sixty-four varieties. They Ooh. gave me when I landed. Yeah, when I landed, they gave me a half gram of each one. So I had thirty-two grams of live hash rosin to smoke while I was in Barcelona for five days. Fucking damn! <laughs> yeah, it was totally. It was mental, dude. Damn, was that must have been so fucking cool. You know, 
I'm no. not gonna lie, it was it was pretty fucking cool, dude. Can you remember it still? Can you... <laughs> oh yeah, I have a I have a very good memory. Man, that must have been so nice to have all that selection as well. Which was your favorite? Can you tell us what your favorite was? Well, I think it was number eight or number oh fuck, I can't. it was the one that won first, second, and third were my basically three favorites. Cool. There were good varieties, dude. Skittles and. Tropicana cookies and just like tons of delicious flavors. I'd say out of the 64, there was a couple I didn't really want to hit, but I did. There was probably 50 that were really fucking good. And out of those 50, there was probably 30 plus that were exceptional. Wow. Fuck. So what do you do? Do you just like sit in a villa or a hotel room and you just get smashed on rosin all week? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Damn. Damn. That's so cool, man. That sounds like fun, right, Monty? Yeah, man, but you got to be aware enough to be able to take notes. <clears throat> oh, do you have to? Oh, oh, that's lame. I took notes. I took notes. I made. I took pictures. I made videos. Yeah, man. You got to do it. Easy because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I stayed with a friend. I went with a friend of mine. Uh, and he was just like so excited that we had all this hash. And of course I was like, look, like, you can smoke as much as you want. Cause I'm not going to be able to fix, finish this. <laughs> but what he would do is he'd grab like, he'd be like, oh yeah. He'd grab like two or three of his favorites, which, you know, coincidentally enough, were probably the best ones in the whole fucking batch. No joke. Yeah, of course. And, and then he, and then he would put, and then he would put them in his pocket and go do stuff. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be sitting down to photograph all 64 I've got my cameras. Everything's organized. The sun's shining perfectly. Everything is going to look the same. And as I go through, I, I'm missing three numbers. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, he, t- he took three of them. I'm like, bro. And now I'm calling him and I'm like, bro, make sure you don't smoke all of those. I need photos of each of them. Well, by the time I get the photos of each of them, it's not in the same in- in- in place. The sun's not shining. I'm limited with my time because I've got to finish. And so, you know, from the professional standpoint of the OCD sort of anal retentive uh, bubble man, I was I I probably got a little, you know, uh, kind of like short with him, even though in the end I told him, look, dude, you did nothing wrong. That's just my own fucking Mm -hmm. personality dysfunctions that are showing right now. But I want to do things perfect for my audience. I want things to be good. I don't want them to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and my friend David, who asked me to to um, to judge, I was really doing it for him because I knew no other judge would do what I was going to do. They wouldn't mm-hmm. photograph each one. They wouldn't take video of each one in the sun in a perfect, you know what I mean? I so mm-hmm. the, And I was, I did end up being the only one that, to do those two things. And I'm sure no one noticed, but, you know, I noticed number one, eight and 13, they didn't look like the rest. And those were like kind of like the top players in the whole competition. So mm-hmm. I would have loved to have gotten the photographs under uh, proper sunlight. Uh, yeah. Just nice, clean hash rosin. Uh, oh, just beautiful. You know, you're looking at it and your mouth starts watering. That's a good sign. Mm. The flavor is just ridiculous. And it just the oh, terpenes on that shit. It's just, oh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not just the terpenes, but all of the volatile organic compounds, the thiols, the thiolates, the esters, these are being found to um, control a lot more of the flavors that we love that we sometimes give credit to terpenes. Right, right. I want to be able to get onto that category. Damn. (laughs) 
Right. I wouldn't be able to handle that shit, man. Five days to smoke 64. Well, you don't have to smoke it all, do you? You have to try it all. But yeah. you got to try it all. I ended up giving probably 10 grams away of it, but I, I smoked a solid 20 grams of it. Nice. <laughs> you have to give it a shot. You know, you got to try. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm doing it like in dabs. So it's not like I'm gr- rolling a half gram of rosin and just mm-hmm. putting it into a joint and taking right. two puffs and sending it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm smoking like it ever in every dab and in the dabs. Like if you look at monkey right now, he's got his little bowl or incense thing and you can see yeah. the smoke coming off. Well, that's how joints are. But when you dab, all of that smoke ends up in your lung, all of that right. vapor. Mm-hmm. You don't like dabs just don't smoke off the top, like a joint or a piece of burning hash. They're vaporizing and they'll stay in the piece of machinery that you're hitting out of or on the banger until you inhale them. There's nowhere for it to go. You know, Mm -hmm. whereas when you smoke a joint, the efficiency, I don't even know what it is. I think it's like in the 30% range of that 70% gets wasted, right? You've got the cherry, Mm -hmm. which is extremely hot, 11 Mm -hmm. or 1200 degrees. And as you're sucking on the cherry, that cherry is absolutely destroying the first things that it's burning and touching. It's the heat that's a little bit of a distance away that is pulling through the herb and vaporizing that resin that is probably more responsible for the high mm. than the cherry just, you know, it's it's too hot. It's 1100 degrees. Like imagine if you took dabs at that Damn. temperature. My God, that's like hot knifing in the 80s. I didn't even think of it like <laughs> that, but that's essentially how it works, isn't it? I, yeah, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. And then the feeling of being high on a joint is really, you know, mostly you've got that vapor and it would be a much cleaner feeling, but you've also got all the, the smoke. There's mm-hmm. an enormous amount of smoke that's going on. So you're inhaling both those things. Mm. Yeah, Damn, man. Yeah, you you know shit about fucking smoking extracts, bro. We've got to have a session. <laughs> oh yeah we do we do well next time let's do this again man i gotta i gotta head out here uh and get into my lab now but uh i'm really stoked to have spent an hour with you guys and yeah for sure man i really appreciate it bro yeah oh man I'm, it's been a lovely drive you know? <laughs> yeah right i've been sitting here for a while now so it's uh it's i feel a little bit better i certainly wouldn't have puffed if i was driving yeah 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 of yeah, course, definitely couldn't do that. No, but nice, right. That's the, well, that I could. Shit, I could do it all day mm-hmm. long, and it doesn't affect me in a negative way. But it definitely mm-hmm. affects the police and people like that. So we'll yeah. avoid that. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've got my rosin reactor that just arrived. This brand new a piece of equipment I could share with you called the rosin reactor from Simple Automation. He's literally pulling it out of the car behind me as we speak. Giant Pelican case, and this thing is for putting the rosin into to heat it up under pressure to decarboxylate it to stabilize it for vape cart pens and still preserving the terpenes. Up until now, people have just been putting their jars of rosin in vac ovens and watching for the bubbles. And when the bubbles stop, that's when it's ready. But you don't get it right away. With this unit, you get it immediately when the bubbles stop because it's their sensors gauging the pressure. So that's Mm -hmm. what I'm about to do. I'm about to go in my lab. I'm about to take a thousand grams of rosin and dump it into this rosin reactor. And then, uh, you know, for the best decarboxylate over the course of the next four days. Yeah, baby. (laughs) All right. Fucking thousand grams of rosin. God damn. Right. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So we'll let you go do your thing then, Bubble Man. We we appreciate you coming along and joining us and appreciate the stories, man. You got more. I'm sure you got plenty more cool stories to tell. 
Yeah. Is he okay? I think Thank we you. might be losing him. Oh no. He's froze. There you are. Uh, there no, we I go. Gotcha. Here, here's my lab. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, cool. What are you doing there? Look at that. Extraction. Uh, we're going to be making hash. We got a 15,000 square foot extraction lab inside this building. Wow. 15,000 square foot. That'll make some hash. Mm -hmm. That's it. How's it going? Good to see you, man. Andrew, Marcus. I'm just finishing a podcast in the UK and I was telling them a little bit about the unit. So here it is, boys. I'll give you guys an update when, <laughs> uh, when we're done decarboxing and rosin. Oh, for Fantastic. sure. Yeah, give us an update for sure. Looking forward to it. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Eh? Thank you. Right, I'll, I'll contact you through Instagram. We'll sort it out another time. But have a good day, please, man. Please Enjoy your day. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for everything, man. Bye now. Peace. Bye-bye. And there we go, everybody. That was this week's interview with BC Bubbleman. Now, you can find BC Bubbleman over on his website, which is bubblemansworld.com or you can find him on instagram instagram.com slash bc bubbleman and you can find him on youtube as well if you just do a google search for bc bubbleman you will find everything you need to know about bubbleman himself so i hope you enjoyed this interview please share it if you can but of course no pressure we understand but it's not easy for people to share this kind of content but if you can share it with a friend then please do so. It helps the show grow bigger and bigger all the time. But as usual, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening to the show. We appreciate you downloading the episodes every week. So thank you, as always, for being here and listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope to catch you on the next one. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.